0: Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 4 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by the man himself who already has Super Bowl projections out for everyone, who's enjoying the lovely, lovely weather on the West Coast, John Paulson. Paulson, how's it going?
1: It's going all right. It's February. This is, might be the earliest we've started the, the team app process for a, a season, but uh, interested to talk about some uh, head coaching changes uh, around the league.
0: Quite literally the earliest since the podcast used to go away around this time of year. Uh, I joined the team in late March last year, and that's when I was adamant to bring it back for offseason talk. And so it's a touch and go situation, honestly, for the offseason. It's going to take a few calls and some plans, but I would like to think we're not going away at all. That at least once a week we'll be back, whether it's you, me, Brandon, Chris Allen, Jennifer Eakins, others, Justin Evers as well. I would like to think there's going to be a group of us updating everyone every single week, uh, even the next few months as we move into the dynasty and free agent process. But as we know, there has been a lot of news so far in between Super Bowl week, oddly enough as well. And that's why we're here. And I want to actually start with the Sean Payton deal to the Broncos as Denver basically traded Bradley Trubb for Payton since the number one pick, the number 30 overall pick they sent to New Orleans was the one they received from Miami in the Chubb deal. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on the fantasy outlook for the Broncos next year because, in my opinion, just from an organizational standpoint, I don't know how anyone comes away from this trade thinking anything other than it had to happen. The assets the Broncos literally shipped away just to leverage their future for Russell Wilson, the most important position in all of football, it literally has to be correct because there is no escaping this deal, at least for the next couple of seasons. Anyone who says that it's just social media fodder for your likes and, re- for your likes and retweets and engagements. But Russell Wilson has to be a part of this team because of what you leverage for him. And not only that, but I know some fans are also upset about the $20 million per year Sean Payton is making. But again, Rob Walton is literally number 19 on Forbes' most richest man list. Walton, of course, who headlines the new ownership group in Denver. Like $20 million per year is what he found in between his couch cushions. And next year when Peyton's due 20000000 million, he'll go digging between his couch again. That doesn't matter at all. The whole point is that you have to get the quarterback right since that's what the entire team revolves around. And suddenly, Paulson, there's now someone in the room with more clout than Russell Wilson who, unlike Nathaniel Hackett, who let Wilson take over, Peyton will step in and say, this is how we're going to run. And more importantly, we know Peyton is not egotistical. He'll ask Russell Wilson, what are you most comfortable with? And then we're going to mold it into what I think is best. And so your thoughts just on Denver's organization and fantasy outlook moving forward.
1: Well, I would say for for Russell Wilson, this was about as good of a hire as he could have expected in this offseason. I mean, this is the primary... Guy, The top guy. And if you look at Sean Payton's history, he's got a long, long history of very productive offenses Uh, prior to 2021 when they didn't have a very good year, 28th in total offensive yards. Payton's teams had never finished below 13th in that metric in 17 seasons, finished in the top nine in 15 straight seasons. Uh, And that was mainly through the passing game Uh, from 21 to 2019. The Giants and Saints offenses that he guided finished in the top eight in fourteen and fifteen seasons. A lot of that had to do with having Drew Brees at quarterback, but he did have uh some good Giants offenses without Breeze. So he's done it. Uh you know, multiple teams. Uh he's taken some time off uh and is back. And he I don't think he would have taken the the job if he didn't think he could repair Russell Wilson. Um and I mean I don't know where you're at with Russell Wilson. He's He's only, you know, two seasons removed from 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. Three seasons removed from 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He's what up going into his age 35 season, so he is potentially hitting that downswing. Um, but this is, you know, what you're looking for if you're Russell Wilson, if you're a backer of his, if you're a believer in his. I think this is gives him an opportunity. Uh, given the receivers and the weapons that they do have there uh, and a competent coach. Uh, I, I did, you know, I did post a poll, you know, what does this do for your personal Russell Wilson rankings? And most people answered, bumped him up a little bit. And I, it's kind of where I'm at uh, with Wilson.
0: And we know from our good friends at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, And this is what I use whenever I'm trying to gauge a player's value right now, post Sean Payton trade, we have a couple examples and we're using the, dynasty trade finder on the site and in one quarterback leagues post Sean Payton we see the value right now is the most recent deals Russell Wilson for two for a 2023 third rounder 2024 third rounder and a 2024 fifth rounder so a couple late picks and we know 2023 draft picks this year for dynasty leagues are uber important the first rounder very hard to get actually which brings me to the other trade we saw Quarterback Russell Wilson, Brian Robinson, and a 2023 second rounder to someone who's very angry at Bob for Sam Darnold and a 2023 first round pick. So that's really gauging the landscape and dynasty leagues for one quarterback leagues. I will also say I saw this most recent deal in Superflex Leagues 12 Teamler, which was Kyler Murray getting shipped for Russell Wilson, George Pickens, and Kentarius Tony. Basically, a veteran quarterback and a couple youthful receivers for a youthful quarterback uh do any of these does this investment what is being shipped here the return on Russell Wilson does this sound about right to you or is this too much in your opinion
1: uh well I would you know yeah I don't do a lot of dynasty so I'm probably not the guy to ask but uh you know I think Kyler Murray's gotten dinged a little bit this offseason I saw a report that coaches are worried about being attached to him for the next four years where to me, he's you know one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, uh, given what he can do. Uh, Lamar Jackson, same thing. But they are giving up, looks like they're giving up Wilson plus some pieces uh, to upgrade uh, to that quarterback or vice versa. Makes some sense. I mean, I think you're, you're looking at Wilson as an aging prospect and you're hoping to get another good year or two out of him. And I do think he'll be better this year than he was last year, but that's not saying a whole
0: lot. And for his current standing Uh, Ryan McDowell and, again, our friends at Dynasty League Football have him ranked anywhere from QB 15 to QB 18 heading into the offseason, roughly being viewed around Daniel Jones, Kenny Pickett, and Kirk Cousins, just in case you're wondering about his value for the 2023 regular season, at least where we stand now. Also, we got some more important quarterback offseason news in Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer reporting that the Bears, at least right now, will try to trade the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, thus believing and instituting confidence in Justin Fields. So I want to get your thoughts on Justin Fields moving forward, knowing that ideally they will try to surround him with better receivers, maybe continue instituting more pass attempts so he's not just a 21-pass attempt-per-game player like he was last year. But Your thoughts on Chicago's offense.
1: Well, I think it started off really run heavy, and they, they did open it up uh, midseason. And I, I, I looked at, uh, I saw some Dar- Darnell Mooney tweets, and, you know, they were saying, people were saying that he was, you know, way overpriced at draft time. But he did post top 16 numbers from week six to week 11 when they did uh, let Fields throw the ball a little bit. So, I, you know, I'm still sort of in on Mooney. I don't know that he's a wide receiver one, real world uh chase claypool thing didn't really work out but he was sort of injured so i you know i really would like to see uh you know an investment in a in a really good receiver either via free agency which there isn't a whole lot out there or via the draft for the bears to really bump up fields but i think you know he can get there just with his rushing and uh cole komet came on too so he, did, he does have a pretty good pass catching tight end as well. So if you go into the season with Mooney, Claypool, and Komet as your top three options, that's not ideal. You'd like to see a a good rookie added to that mix. But, um, you know, certainly Fields' early ADP is up there in the top 10.
0: And uh,
1: it seems justified based on what he can do uh, running the ball.
0: And if announcing to the world what they were going to do with the number one pick, and I know Bears fans in particular say everyone knew that that so it's no big deal that you come out and say actually we're just shopping this pick. That's not the case at all because we know how bad NFL owners and GMs are at their job. Like you tantalize them and give and letting you letting them think you actually have another option. Even though we knew they didn't have another option, but GMs definitely thought there was a chance they could trade Justin Fields as well. If that wasn't egregious enough though, we always have the trading Chase Claypool for the very first pick of day two to look at and say, okay, maybe we shouldn't trust this front office at all. Uh, Darnell Mooney, to your point as well, interesting for Dynasty Leagues, given that he's now headed into his contract year from his rookie deal, and he will be 26 this season. So just someone to think about it, what, making your stance on whether you believe he's going to be back in Chicago or perhaps take his deep talent elsewhere. I want to also get your thoughts on Frank Reich, the first head coaching domino to fall this off season to the Panthers, because we know it's scapegoat season. We're going to get a cup into a couple of coaching changes here. And Frank Wright happened to be the one to get scapegoated out of Indianapolis after his three, five and one start to the year. Uh, it was probably him. It could have been some of Chris Ballard as well, who failed the last three seasons and just recruiting veteran gaps at quarterback between Phillip rivers, Carson Wentz, And Matt Ryan as well. So maybe Reich deserved to be out. But at the same time, I would argue right now he's the best head coach in the NFC South. and NFC South that also I think we're going to see every single starting quarterback change, Uh, including that in Atlanta. I don't think the Falcons are out at all in the top 10 away from drafting a quarterback. So just overall thoughts on Frank Reich and what he brings to the table for the Panthers.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you re- rewind a couple seasons and he was, he was probably viewed as one of the brighter, if not, you know, top 10 brightest minds, uh, in head coaching, uh, or at least had that sort of, you know, reputation, um, did well with Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz, uh, back to back ninth place finishes and points scored his offenses in 2020, uh, 2020 and 2021, um. Uh, his offensive record in general is pretty good, four top 10 finishes and total yards in a six year span from 2015 to 2020. Um, and it was really more uh, uh, you know, rushing, uh, actually, than the passing game. But uh, he did have a top 10, three consecutive top 10 rushing seasons. Uh, the, the Colts did 2019 to 2021. And people say, well, that was Jonathan Taylor. Well, it was Marlon Mack the first year. So they, he knows how to run the ball. So he's got that going for him. And then just looking at his receivers and this is where I'm concerned or a little bit like, I don't know if concern is the right word, but I'm mostly interested in DJ Moore on this team. So, uh, you know, you look at Michael Pittman, he had a yards in 2021, TJ, H- T Y Hilton, well, just 762 yards in 2020, but he's on the, he was on the downswing of his career at that point. And Zach Pascal in 2019 was a leading receiver with two, 607 yards. So, I mean, the Pittman thing is encouraging. Uh, You know, he was, I don't know if he's a rookie that year in 2021. I think he was. Um, That's pretty impressive. Uh, Maybe it was his second year. Kind of having a brain fart on that right now, but for him to get to crest a thousand yards, I think that bodes fairly well for DJ Moore, though the, the two previous seasons don't bode very well.
0: Pittman, of course, led the entire league in curl routes last year as well. In case you were wondering why his ceiling lacked pop. So, We'll see what happens in Indianapolis following Reich's departure as well. But right now, ears to the ground, I I think it is Jeff Saturday again, which would be astonishing, amazing. But at the same time, Saturday knew nothing else but to use Jonathan Taylor was healthy. So at least we'll have a one-up on Jonathan Taylor's usage heading into 2023. Another scapegoat from the season was Kellen Moore leaving the Cowboys, mutual parting, quote-unquote, and then literally less than 24 hours later, signing on with the Chargers instead in place of Joe Lombardi. And yes, Moore's play calling lacked creativity in Dallas. I don't think it's all his fault, but he was anywhere the last four years from 15th to 18th in RPOs, play action, trick plays. There really wasn't much going on, but The results he showed in his resume are what stand out the most, considering in that four-year span. And remember, some of the stint was with Andy Dalton and Cooper Rush. The Cowboys ranked fourth in yards per play, second in possessions per game, and fifth in points per drive. So, again, the work more left in his wake speaks for itself. And now we have him working with Justin Herbert. We are hoping they get a deep receiver. DJ Shark, we are crossing our fingers for. Since I don't put Herbert's A-dot on him, I think he just looked up and saw Jalen Guyton and said, hell no, and dumped it off to Austin Eckler. So what are your thoughts overall on Moore getting to work with now Justin Herbert?
1: Yeah, and circling back on Michael Pittman, that was this, 2021 was the second season. So he had a 1000 th- yard season under Reich. So that bodes fairly mm-hmm. well for uh, DJ Moore. Um, yeah, I think from an offensive, cor- pure offensive coordinator standpoint, Moore was the primary... Uh, guy, he didn't. He wasn't unemployed for very long. I think the Chargers saw an opportunity to upgrade that position in their front, uh, in their coaching staff, and went for it. Uh, it was surprising to me that Dallas let him go, but this is sort of how it goes with uh, you know head coaches that uh, you know have a disappointing season. They you know they have a scapegoat. They survive another year. Uh, now Mike McCarthy is going to call the plays again. Uh, for Dallas and I can get into that a little bit his numbers uh, in Green Bay a little bit about that later but as for more uh, you know you, you you went through some good numbers there his offense has finished uh, first 14th first and 11th in total yards did have some Dak Prescott injuries in there uh, six 17th first and fourth in points scored uh, top 10 numbers in both pass and rush so it wasn't one or the other he's good at both uh, and, you know, maybe lack some creativity and maybe he'll look at him, you know, look himself in the mirror and, you know, uh, maybe change some things up, but you know, the proof is in the pudding, the, the, the offense put up points. They have a similar amount of talent as the chargers. So the uh, chargers offense should be upgraded, uh, with this move. So this is definitely good for Justin Herbert and company. And then if you want to talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy and Dallas and how this moves impacts him, you know, he had, uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously in green Bay, The Packers finished 23rd, 8th, 12th, and 14th in his last four seasons as the head coach, primary play caller, not counting 2017 when Rodgers only played seven games. Um, Give him a pass on that. So it wasn't, those numbers aren't great given the fact that he had, you know, Rodgers in his prime. Uh, He and Rodgers were often at odds about what plays to run. There were stories about uh, the receivers saying that uh, he, you know, they might if if the receiver ran the the route that McCarthy wanted, he would not he would get into Rogers' uh, doghouse. Um, so, just not a healthy environment for anybody uh, that offense the last few years that McCarthy and Rogers were together. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be successful in Dallas, but I don't think it's going to be an upgrade over Kellen Moore, uh, given Moore's reputation there, at least his track record. So, um, I'm, it's a little bit of a downgrade. I don't have as much Macar- uh, confidence in McCarthy Uh, with more out of the way.
0: And in defense of Kellen Moore, remember, because the Cowboys are such a defunct organization, he stuck around as play caller when Mike McCarthy got hired, not because it was McCarthy's choice, but because Jerry Jones wanted to keep the OC on. Again, it's the same instance with Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett, and that the Cowboys... And Jerry Jones kept the OC on despite there being a complete staffing change. Uh, Again, the Cowboys are the only organization that do that. Uh, You just mentioned Mike McCarthy's offense, though. I do know he was not as run heavy on early downs, which usually is a sign of the most inefficient offenses in the league. I know he wasn't like that in Green Bay with some stellar running backs in that span as well. But at the same time, I do go back and forth wondering, like, because Kellen Moore was also calling plays, run heavy on early downs despite the success. And I just genuinely wonder if it's a trickle down from the top, like from the organization again, and word and play calling not actually coming from the coaches, but coming from the owner instead. Like, we have this $90 million running back we have to feature. Uh, Does that mean then even Mike McCarthy just nods his head and understands the assignment and says, I have to feed him? because we're trying to get season tickets paid for. I actually wonder if like, that's going to be a problem still.
1: I mean, yeah, you look at this offense though, they have CD lamb at, at receiver and you know, he's far and away their best guy. And then after that, you might argue that Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are right there in terms of, you know, offensive weaponry. And certainly Jerry Jones has talked up Elliott over the last few years, even though he's in a little bit of a decline. Uh, so I think that kind of plays into the, how they're approaching things, and that you know they have Dalton Schultz, who's a solid tight end, but you know after that, you know the receivers kind of been kind of an issue uh, since they've traded away Amari Cooper.
0: You say Jerry Jones has talked about Ezekiel Elliott over the years, buddy. Jerry Jones just talk about Ezekiel Elliott in Mobile, Alabama. Hit the audio.
1: We will review even more the season. Uh, we're going to see the positives in Zeke. Zeke will look better uh, the more you look at what he brought to the table as we get into reviewing what the season was. And so uh, uh, I don't want to talk about Zeke until we uh, uh, have had the benefit of really evaluating our whole season. But I I do know this without even looking at an evaluation. Zeke was uh, 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 a lot more incremental to the success that we had than his rushing yards indicate but you do want to, i believe that you do want him back next year would like to have him back next year yes you would like, you would like to have yes him would year. like to have him back
0: stephen jones also who interviewed for far too long they should both keep their mouth shut mentioned tony pollard he called him literally a fans type of running back and i guess that means if fans like running backs that can pick up two yards sure tony pollard is a fans type of running back the good news is, with Tony Pollard being an unrestricted free agent, the franchise tag for a running back is only $10 million, and we know Tony Pollard is worth that to the offense, even coming off surgery. He's expected to be healthy for training camp. But overall, we also know, Paulson, Zeke will be back on this team. It is as simple as being a post-June 1 cut and then spreading $6 million over the next two years in each year of dead cap for just cutting Zeke outright. but That's not going to happen because that's not the Dallas Cowboys. So let's just pretend as if Pollard and Zeke are back in this offense. What the hell do you even do here?
1: Well, I think we saw what was happening or the trends last season. And Pollard just out just 5.22 yards per carry. Uh, you know, a weapon in the passing game. He averaged 15.6 PPR fantasy points per game. Uh, There's no justification to take any work away from him. 193 carries, 39 receptions, uh, turned in a really good fantasy season on that. Uh, I don't have the rankings in front of me, but just looking at his game log and and his, you know, he started off the season with uh, four games under 10 uh, carries in the first five and then was double digits from week six until week 15. Uh, had a nine carry, nineteen yard game against Philly, but he caught six for sixty-one in the passing game. Uh, missed a game in week seventeen, and came back for a seven carry uh, in week eighteen. So I think you, you know, he he's got the injury, but he'll he should be fine for training camp. And I think you're looking at him as the fantasy RB one for this team, even if uh, Ezekiel Elliott is going to get some some carries. Uh, you know, getting his three point seven yards per
0: pop. And I urge anyone who does not like the Cowboys, and I'm not of that demographic, but I urge anyone, if you want to audibly hear two more decades of failure, you got to go to Cowboys.com and listen to the audio because the Zeke audio, I think, was probably only the 20th worst thing Jones said and defending the Amari Cooper trade to free up more money, which, of course, the team spent on James Washington, who had one target and an injured offseason to defending the Jalen Tolbert pick, at the, and also saying the Eagles are went all in, whereas the Cowboys are building long-term, even though the, Cowboy, even though the Eagles went through the Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, and Nick Sirianni eras, making the Super Bowl and Conference Championship before Dallas. So I urge you, go listen to the audio and pull up a drink, because it's incredible. Another big news, which everyone got to copy and paste last year's headlines from, was Tom Brady. Announcing his retirement after twenty three seasons. And it's actually an important news for fallout, Paul for fantasy fallout, Paulson, because we know the Bucks have led the league in past 10th for game the past two years. The Bucks have been top five in past 10th for game, and all every season that Brady's been there. And so what happens now, in your opinion, knowing that Kyle Trask is the only quarterback under contract for the Bucks? They're obviously going to go out and get someone, but also Todd Bowles will be there with a new OC after firing Byron Lefkowitz. And then we should assume they had such a heavy passing volume because they had Tom Freak and Brady. Like, what happens next to the offense under center? And so what are your thoughts on, really, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? Because I think that's the question, the questions for Dynasty Leagues everyone will have to come back to this offseason.
1: Well, I think it, you know, we have to expect it's a downgrade uh Either you know, at least from a talent standpoint, or at least from a volume standpoint, probably from a talent standpoint, uh, you know, Tom Brady wasn't his usual self last season, but there was just so much volume that it supported Godwin for sure. And Evans here and there, uh, he didn't have the greatest season. Uh, we, he was part of the breakout receiver model for, I think seven, seven weeks straight uh, last year. And then he had what three touchdowns in a game. Um, it's amazing. But, it's
0: amazing. What happens whenever JC Horn is out? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at Godwin. Uh, I think it's important if you're going to downgrade him, you downgrade him from like what he was doing, not from his end of season stats, because he did have a, a hamstring injury after making it back for week one. Uh, I think from week four on, he was the fantasy wide receiver eight uh, in that offense. So, really impressive season from Godwin, in my opinion, coming off of that uh, knee injury. So, I'd be downgrading from there, not from whatever. Wide receiver 15 or wide receiver 20 that somebody might might have him ranked if, if Brady were to be back. So um, I think he'll he's looking at you know wide receiver two ranking probably, but we just don't know with you know without knowing who the quarterback's going to be. It drives so much of the offense, and you know depending how strong the quarterback is, you might have uh, as much volume, uh, not as much, but a reasonable amount of volume. Or if it's a really bad quarterback situation, they might go very run heavy with I think Fournette's back and Rashad White. Uh, and try to you know play defense and win the win games that way so it it's really up in the air right now uh, certainly Mike Evans uh, his season last year doesn't inspire a ton of confidence that he's going to do a lot better with the quarterback change but he's been one of the most consistent uh, at least year-to-year fantasy receivers for the last five years or so and uh, it, it just sort of depends on what t- type of uh, quarterback is is installed there if it's a deep ball guy then I think that would you know he's not a deep ball. You know you don't pigeon- pigeonhole him as a deep, deep ball guy only, but he certainly thrives in that role. Um, so just depending on the quarterback, we just don't know based on uh, you know Godwin and, and Evans uh, exactly how far they're going to fall from from Tom Brady.
0: The most recent update and dynasty rankings from our friends at DLF have Chris Godwin at wide receiver 17 and Mike Evans at wide receiver 29. The most recent trade also I'm seeing is basically Godwin for again the prime 2023 picks, a 2023 third rounder and fourth rounder, Kadarius, Tony and Noah Fant for Chris Godwin. The final note, I don't think we have much fantasy news on, but I do think we should at least take a moment and tip our cap to D'Amico Ryan signing with the Texans. And I am on team play caller as your head coach, knowing that the Texans are now in a situation where whomever D'Amico hires as his OC, if he has success, will be gone in one or two years. I think this year, it was actually amazing to see both, well, Dan Quinn as well, but for play callers, like for Ben Johnson to stick around was was massive. Not only for the Lions, but for just him being at the top of the head coaching cycle next year. But it's also an anomaly. Like usually the good play caller, the great play caller, will leave immediately to become a head coach. And D'Amico Ryans, that's likely going to happen in Houston. But, just the fact that we at least have the the aura and the essence of like someone who actually has passion for the Texans as their head coach now. Since so D'Amico Ryans was a Rookie of the Year with Houston, he was their third All-Pro ever in Houston as well. So just to, to have someone that wants to help you build your organization and someone who's not going to be a scapegoat like we see their last two coaches in one-and-done situations, I think is already awesome by the organization.
1: Yeah, defensive-minded guy, the, the 49ers' top three in yards allowed uh, in each of his two seasons is the uh, the DC in San Francisco, and it sounds like the passing game coordinator uh, for San Francisco is one of the shortlists for the OC there, um, so I think this could be, a you know, the, the market inefficiency with what you were discussing. I mean, I'm, I'm on board with, you know, you're having your play caller be your head coach as well, but... There is a way to sort of if you have a really good leader of men as your uh, head coach, as a defensive coordinator, or and also the defensive coordinator, and you be, can become the stepping stone for those really talented up and coming OCs. You might have to cycle through them every two or three years, uh, but if you get the hires right, you can get the you can get these young guys on their way up as they are going on to uh, be uh, head coaches with other. Uh, teams. But uh, I don't know that that is you can really bank on that. It's probably better to get a proven offensive mind as your head, as your head coach. Um, but that's the way it goes, and that's what the situation that the Texans, Texans are in. And I certainly expect their defense to be solid. Uh, they were actually decent uh, this year, definitely in spots. They were a pretty feisty team, uh, even though they didn't win many many games. Uh, But I would expect, uh, you know, the whole culture change to shift there. And and as you mentioned, it's nice to have a coach that's actually fired up about the the franchise.
0: 30 minutes in and out. Isn't the offseason great? Paulson, I know we have a 2023 mock draft that includes yourself and a lot of others on the 4 for 4 team coming out on the YouTube page. What else do you have going on in the background right now at 4 for 4?
1: Well, just finishing up... uh super bowl projections this you know next couple of weeks and uh i'll be getting out never too early rankings at some point hopefully this month uh and uh folks can use them just to get an idea of where we you know we're heading into this uh in, into 2023 uh, i think the, the big thing that people don't just a casual fan uh fantasy manager don't pay attention to as free agency. Who's who's becoming a free agent? I think everybody assumes that players are going to be back with their current team, but you know you have to take that into account. There's going to be a carousel of players, uh, so I will take a look at that as well. Uh, but uh, you know, in the short term, it's going to be never too early. Rankings, Super Bowl projections, and then we'll get into free agency in the draft in uh, the spring.
0: Speaking of, there are already a bunch of sickos drafting at underdog and FFPC, so. I put out my available targets and air yards tracker earlier than ever. It's on the site, free for everyone right now as you're listening. The available carries and running back touches tracker, because I'm updating it this year, as we continue to learn every year what is the most pertinent stats to target will be out by Monday for everyone. Until then, we will be back with a Super Bowl preview next week. And then again, we'll figure out our offseason schedule. But I can tell you we're just going to keep beating our chest because we're not going anywhere. We're here to stay. Until then, be a little bit kinder than what's applied. See you next time.